Welcome to Marriage Steps with Dr. Wyatt Fisher. We're reducing the divorce rate one marriage at a time is the goal. And following my six marriage steps is a path to get us there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, licensed psychologist and marriage counselor. This show is about your life and your marriage. So call 303-596-6836 or email info at drwyattfisher.com with your questions for me. Today, I'm going to cover three steps to owning our brokenness. So this is step two out of the six marriage steps I recommend for marriage happiness. And if you're not familiar with my six marriage steps, you can go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. That's D-R-W-Y-A-T-T-F-I-S-H-E-R.com. Go to my website and click on marriage steps, and you'll see the top six steps for achieving marital happiness and owning our brokenness is step two. So I'm gonna go into it in more detail today because I think it's such a foundational principle that can help couples on so many levels and it's often missing. So to define my terms, brokenness, what I mean when I use that word is brokenness is the culmination of all of our shortcomings, all of our weaknesses, all of our areas of sinful behavior, however you want to describe it. It's all of our areas where we, we do the wrong thing or we have the wrong bent or we have the wrong inclination. It's all of our weaknesses is what it is. That's our brokenness. Now, there's some benefits to owning our brokenness. And what, what owning our brokenness means is that you're able to identify and verbalize what your top areas of shortcomings are. A lot of people cannot do that. And they definitely don't want to do that because they feel uncomfortable or they feel too vulnerable to admit their shortcomings or their weaknesses or they're completely unaware that they even have any. But when someone's able to identify and own their areas of brokenness, one of the top benefits is that they are going to be able to reconcile and conflicts much faster. For example, if you know you're a poor listener, and you get in a fight with your spouse, you can think to yourself, was I just being a poor listener? Perhaps I was at this point in our conversation or at this point before the conflict happened, I wasn't listening very well. So I can take ownership for that part of the conflict. However, if you don't know what your areas of brokenness are or worse, you don't think you have any, it's gonna be almost impossible to work through conflicts with you because you're never gonna think you're wrong. You're always gonna think it's your partner's fault. So identifying and owning your brokenness is paramount for you to be a good partner in your marriage. One thing that's interesting in my seminars, when I do my marriage seminars, is I ask people to raise their hand to show me how many people have ever asked your partner what your top areas of weaknesses are. And no one raises their hand. No one asks that question to their partner. But because we don't ask that question, our partner gets fed up with our areas of shortcomings and they point them out, often with irritation. But imagine if you did nothing different than asking your partner on a regular basis, what are my shortcomings? What are my areas of brokenness? What are my weaknesses that you see in me? And then you take that feedback and you work on them to get better. Imagine what impact that could have on your relationship. It would most likely inspire your partner to do the exact same thing Because you're modeling courage and you're modeling humility and then you're taking action. 
So that's a tremendous thing to start doing if you don't already, is ask your partner on a regular basis what your shortcomings are that they see, what your growth areas are that they see, and then do something about it. There's a great cultural practice in Asia called kintsugi. And what that refers to is when a clay pot is broken, they glue it back together with gold resin. So a broken pot is much more attractive and beautiful and valuable than a perfect pot. And we're the same way. When we're sharing our brokenness, we become more attractive because we're real and we're human and we're approachable. And that encourages our partner to do the same. And in contrast, when we're trying to act like a perfect pot that we have it all together and we have no problems, we have no issues, that just creates distance because now we're not safe and now we're prideful and now we're arrogant. So you can Google that term if you like, Kent Sugi, but it's a great analogy to this concept of owning our brokenness because it's more attractive and it's more valuable. So I'm gonna go through the top three areas of brokenness for my wife and the top three areas for me. And then we're going to go through the, the, the three steps on how you can create your own brokenness chart. So for my wife, one of her top areas of brokenness is defensiveness. So growing up, she felt inadequate a lot for a variety of factors. Uh, she didn't feel very special, didn't feel very important. And so she developed this feeling of inadequacy. And if you feel inadequate then it's hard to take constructive criticism because you already feel so fragile and so you're quick to get defensive. And that's one thing that she brought into our marriage is this tendency to get defensive. And by the way, these areas of brokenness, most of the time you bring them into your marriage. Your partner had nothing to do with them. However, your partner may make them worse because of the vicious cycles you create, and we'll get into that later. But on average, your areas of brokenness are something that were established early on in life, and you brought them into your marriage. A second one for my wife is she has struggled having low awareness, meaning that it's not her natural instinct to think about how are my words or behavior going to make someone else feel. If I say this what is that going to make them think? Or what is that going to make them feel? And therefore, maybe I should adjust what I'm going to say. That whole process has been a struggle for her. And part of that stems back again to her upbringing of feeling inward or introverted because of her inadequacy. So she was more preoccupied with what she was feeling compared to what others may be feeling. Also, she didn't have coaching growing up, helping her think about how her thoughts and feelings would make someone else feel. So she has struggled with low awareness, but she's gotten better and she's gotten better at the defensiveness. But again, these are areas of brokenness she brought into our marriage. A third one she brought in is passiveness. Growing up, her parent that she was raised with did a lot for her, did things for her that she could have done for herself and her parent she grew up with talked a lot. And so my wife learned to shut down and to dissociate. And that developed this tendency to be passive. And she brought that passivity right into our marriage. The top three areas of brokenness for me that I've had to work on, one of them is being critical. So in my life, in my home growing up, if I did something wrong, my parents were very quick to tell me what was wrong, to tell me how I did something wrong. And so that was modeled for me. And I was raised in a home, my parents were divorced, but even in both of my homes, there was high standards. 
of how one should behave, of how hard one should work, of how things should be kept. And so I was raised with high standards and I'm a psychologist. And so I've been trained on the right way to communicate and the wrong way and all these things. And so I can have high standards. And so if I'm not careful, I can be critical. So that's an area of brokenness that I have to watch out for that I brought into our marriage. A second one is I can be impulsive. So my desire for what I want can be very strong and I can act before I think. And that has gotten me into trouble multiple times over the course of my marriage in a multitude of ways. And I can tie some of that back to my upbringing as well because I was primarily raised with my mom and she gave me a pretty long rope to do as I pleased. And that created in me a strong will to do what I wanted when I wanted to do it. So that's influenced this tendency I've had to be impulsive. So I've had to work on that. A third one is I can be a control freak. I tell people lightheartedly that I'm a control freak in recovery. And a control freak by definition is someone who likes things a certain way and they think their way is the way. And that is me. I'm very particular. I like things a certain way. I like things neat and orderly. And I've had to work on that because I can get too controlling with things and want things my way. And obviously in a marriage, that doesn't go over very well. And raising children, that doesn't go over very well. And there's a balance to that because having no control, that can be problematic. But wanting too much control can be problematic also. And for me, I've tied this control bent back to two areas of my life. One is it was, I believe it's genetic. It runs in my family. Obsessive compulsive traits run in my family. Growing up, my mom always had to have the house really spick and span. The cars were spick and span. My dad always was making the yard immaculate and the cars were washed every weekend. And so I was raised with that. That's my normal. But also, I have memories on an emotional level of feeling bullied at times growing up. And I can remember riding my bike away from those occurrences where I felt bullied with tears going down my cheeks, making promises to myself that I will never be powerless again. I will never have no control again. I want to be all powerful and all all consuming with control so I'm never weak. So that was an emotional trauma for me that developing this controlling bent was a way to to counteract those feelings of being bullied growing up. So most of our areas of shortcoming and our areas of weakness are like this. They come from our upbringing. They come from our background. They come from things that have nothing to do with our partner. So this leads us into step one. So the first step of creating a brokenness chart and owning your brokenness is to identify what are your top three areas of brokenness? What are they for you? Think about feedback you've received from other people, constructive feedback. This may be from friends, might be from employers, definitely is probably from your spouse. What, what are the themes you've heard before about who you are, your growth areas, your weaknesses, your shortcomings, what are they? And write those down. By the way, we get it backwards. We think it, it means it, we think strength means to pretend we have no weaknesses. Strength is having the courage to acknowledge your weaknesses. That's what strength is. Anybody can pretend they're perfect, but it takes a courageous person to openly admit their flaws. That takes courage and that takes ego strength. So what are yours? 
What are your top three areas of shortcomings? If you're not quite clear what yours are, ask your partner. They'd be more than happy (laughs) to tell you what yours are. They live with you day in and day out. No other person is in such a perfect position to tell you what your growth areas are. So don't be scared of that feedback. Invite it. Invite that feedback in. Ask them, what are my top three areas of shortcomings, of growth areas? What do you see in me? Step two is making a list of your partner's top three areas of weaknesses. Write those down. What do you think their top three growth areas are? And you live with them. You know their patterns. You know where their low points are. So write those down. So once you create this list of what your top three areas are that you think and what you think your partners are, go to your partner and share that list and discuss each item and try to come to an agreement on the top three for you and the top three for them. So you have one working list, one working brokenness chart of your top three areas of brokenness and their top three areas of brokenness. Step three, once you've done that, is try to identify where your vicious cycles lie. Because what happens for the majority of couples is one partner's areas of brokenness interact with their partner's And now they have vicious cycles going back and forth, back and forth. And if you can identify your areas of vicious cycles because of both of your brokenness areas, it's going to explain most likely around 95% of your conflicts. And if you can understand your conflicts and why you got there and how you both contributed, that's half the battle to resolving them. So for example, with my wife and I, if I am feeling critical because of something she's doing that I don't like, and I express it as a criticism, she's going to get defensive because she feels attacked. If she gets defensive instead of taking ownership for what she's done, I get frustrated and I can become more critical. The more critical I become, the more defensive she becomes. The more defensive she becomes, the more critical I become. Vicious cycle. Another example for my marriage with our areas of brokenness is if I feel like my wife is being passive... I start to take over and be controlling. The more I take over, the more she feels like she can be passive because I'm going to do it all anyway. So the more she is passive, the more I take over even more and resent that I have to take over. And the more I take over, the more she gives up and lets me do everything because I'm being controlling. So vicious cycle. So what are yours? Write down this, this list of your areas of brokenness, your partners, identify your vicious cycles, and see how it can navigate your conflicts much more effectively moving forward. Thank you for listening to Marriage Steps with Dr. Wyatt Fisher. For more marriage resources, please go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. And if you enjoyed the episodes, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell your family and friends about the podcast to join our fight in reducing the divorce rate one marriage at a time. Take care.